Hey everyone, welcome to a special Christmas episode of the Resolutions Podcast, a podcast where we like to turn difficult topics into helpful conversations. I'm your host, Chris Campbell. You know, one of the things that I like about Christmas are the well wishes that are given and received by family and friends who we share meaningful moments with in our life. Uh, Lots of times we are reminded of special people when we receive a thoughtful greeting card or picture in the mail. Sometimes it's that family Christmas gathering or a unique holiday party where we get a chance to reconnect and reminisce with folks that we cherish. One thing I absolutely love about our modern technology is how it gives us the opportunity to, I'm air quoting here, see our friends via video chat and wish them Christmas cheer. Whatever the method, it's good to catch up with loved ones this time of year, maybe especially this year, the infamous 2020. As a way of reminiscing and reconnecting with special people, our Resolutions podcast team thought it would be fun to offer you, our listeners, a special holiday episode with a wonderful friend who is a previous guest. Looking back over our first two seasons of the Resolutions podcast, we've received numerous comments and requests regarding our first guest featured in Season 1, Episode 1. Of course, I'm talking about Sean Smucker. Sean proved to be a listener favorite. Many of you have asked if or when Sean would be on the show again. And Sean and I had already made plans for a holiday Zoom conversation, and knowing our discussion would probably include a bit of reflecting on Christmas, our faith, perspective on 2020, I asked Sean if he would be okay with me recording part of our conversation for the benefit of our listening audience. Sean graciously agreed. So for those of you who missed our very first episode, let me introduce today's guest. Sean Smucker is an award-winning author whose work has been compared to C.S. Lewis, George MacDonald, and Neil Gaiman. He's a devoted husband, a father of six children, a man of sage-like wisdom, and a dear friend and brother in Christ. In the aftermath of our latest winter snowstorm here in the East, Sean and I shared a warm cup of virtual coffee. Sean from his hometown in downtown Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I here in the Resolutions Podcast Studio. We pick up on our conversation as we're discussing Christmas in these less than ideal circumstances. Hey, we're here again with our good friend, Sean Smucker, award-winning author and uh what do you say, Lancastian? Lancastrian? <laughs> sure, Lancastrian. <laughs> okay. But uh, welcome back to the podcast, Sean. And we, we, we thought it would be super fun to have you on and, and talk a little bit about Christmas. But uh, I guess uh, Eastern Pennsylvania is getting a good dose of uh, Christmas cheer in the form of a, of a big time snow here to close. Oh, out. yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Our kids are loving it. Our kids are loving it. They're, um, they're in heaven snow. We don't, I don't know. I remember growing up, it seemed like we got a lot more snow, but December snow is very rare. So they're, they're enjoying it. Yeah. I, uh, I'm at the age where it's like, I've, I'm, I'm good. I, I, you know, <laughs> it's like, it'd be nice. Maybe one day if I have grandkids to, uh, to play in the snow with them, but I'm trying to figure out how do I get to a warmer climate at this <laughs> Yep. Age. Hey, um, okay. So um, it's always interesting, uh, you know, to talk uh, with people about 
Christmas traditions and memories and, and reminisce and things like that around Christmas time. But man, we're we're closing out. I think the strangest year of my life for sure. You know, and and I think that's a common experience. That's an understatement for for our listening audience for sure. But uh, you know, by way of 2020, you know, what's what's that been like? You know, for for the Smucker family. You know, Chris, it's been it's been interesting. Um, about January, Miley and I sat down and I remember us having this conversation. We looked at each other and she said, how are we going to make it through this spring? Because we had a kid in volleyball who didn't have his license yet. We had a daughter in choir, two choirs and an art class outside of school. We had a, an 11 year old who was playing basketball and a 12-year-old who was also in a different choir. And we had sat down to go over our schedule for February, March, and April. And it was very overwhelming. And then suddenly life stops. And I think we've learned a lot. (laughs) I mean, it hasn't been easy. And we've got, you know, we've got uh, four kids who are doing school over Zoom now. But I think going forward, we've definitely taken a lot of time to reconsider what do we want our family life to look like? What is an acceptable amount of busyness? Mm. And also to take ownership, you know, to realize that we're, we choose this stuff. Like this is not, this doesn't have to be our life. Mm-hmm. Um, this just running from place to place to place to place. Now we've got six kids, so there's always going to be an element of busyness, but I think there has to be a point where we where we pump the brakes a little bit and say, okay, you know what? There's more to life than activities. There's more to life than sports. Um, you know, maybe maybe as a child you have to pick one <laughs> instead of doing everything. And so I I can't say that it's been an awful time for us, and I feel a little bit bad about that because I know. I know for some people, it's just, it's been the end of the world, you know, with losing jobs and losing loved ones. Um, And so I know it has been a horrific time, but for our family, uh, it's, it's been, I think, more a time of, of recentering and trying to define who we are as a family and becoming a little bit aware of how, how complicit we are in our own in, in our own craziness that we live in, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, and I think it's well said, you know, you and I were talking before I hit record and uh, so much of this year, 2020 is life interrupted. And, uh, and, and for those of us in the, in the Western world, and I'll dial that in a little closer here in the U S you know, I, th- I think we, we mistakenly assume that we've got everything sort of mastered uh, and that uh, we've developed ways to make certain things certain that uh, are now proving to be uncertain. And uh, I know for myself, and and I'm sure I speak for a large portion of our listeners, you know, we get lulled into looking at our schedule, objectives, our hopes, our dreams. We set these expectations, and then we we sort of go under the uh, the mantra of everything will be okay as long as nothing goes wrong. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then when when life happens, you know, I think there's a John Lennon quote that has to do with life, life happening and being interrupted. Uh, 
you know, it, it, it does. It's, it's a, it's an interruption that, um, that causes us to, to stop and think. And of course, uh, you know, what we hope is that we're going to look at it through, you know, an opportunistic set of glasses. And, yeah. Uh, it sounds like that's what you guys have been processing uh, you know, coming through the year. Yeah. It's, and I, you know, I don't want to make it sound like we haven't lost anything. We certainly have. I mean, I've had, I had a couple of projects where uh, they ended up falling through because of the pandemic and our oldest son, super disappointed about not having volleyball, our middle son, you know, everything, everything came down right when he was supposed to play the championship game. He's 11, you know, like it's not the Super Bowl, but for him it was. <laughs> so we've had, we've had friends and family who've been very, very sick. Yeah. So we have lost things, but I think it's beneficial if in the midst of all of this, we do take some time to reflect and, you know, maybe ask ourselves, what is important? What do we want our lives to look like? What do we hope to accomplish in these few years that we're given? Uh, because you don't, you don't often get this kind of an opportunity. You know, you don't, you're not often forced to stop. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't remember, you know, we had small tastes of this in the past with, you know, when huge snowstorms would sort of cripple the state and people would have to stay home or, you know, you had small, small glimpses of this, but I don't think we've ever as a society had an opportunity to, to just to stop and think, okay, is this really how we want to be living our lives? And so I think if we get through this and we haven't considered those questions, it would be a, it would be a huge loss. As you were, as you were talking about that, uh, you know, my mind goes to um, uh, one of my favorite books, uh, and maybe I've even told you this before, Sean, is uh, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And it's just a, it's just a tiny little allegory that he writes. Uh, and it's about uh, it's a it's about a bus ride to heaven. And there's a there's a moment on that bus where the main character uh, you know, sort of, you know, the light bulb sort of illuminates. It's like this aha moment where he realizes there's two types of, of people. There's two types of riders on this bus. And there are those that as they look back over their lives and they reflect, they see a lot of disappointment. They see a lot of regret. They see a lot of missed opportunities. They, they would even say that life worked against them. And then there are other people on the bus uh, that he recognizes, they share a common faith. And when they look back over the course of their life, even in those moments of interruption, hardship, things that weren't fair, they see redeeming moments where God was obviously intervening. And maybe, maybe it wasn't obvious at the time, but you know, looking backwards, that's, that's sort of the, the difference. And, uh, and I think about that when I think about about Christmas. You know, I, I think about the the to me the greatest story ever told, ever told. Uh, but it did not start off in a conventional or convenient way. You know, you're you're an author, uh, an accomplished author, Sean, and uh, you know you've you've had your start uh, in a realm where a lot of the demographics, uh, you know, would would tell you that you need to appeal to a more polished, homogenous storyline that's not very messy and and has very neat conclusions. 
Uh, but that's that's often not the way life works, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think we've started to talk more about that aspect of the Christmas story as I've gotten older. Back in the '80s, I think it was still very much about you know the star shining its light down on this perfect baby who looked like a Gerber baby and had pudgy cheeks and was definitely white. And, um, you know, I think that has changed a lot as I've grown up, I've heard that story change and maybe get a little closer to reality. And maybe it's just me getting older and, you know, seeing my wife bear six children and, and suddenly understanding what's involved in that process and, and what that looks like. And, it's a really amazing thing to imagine God choosing to go through that. My friend, uh, Ken Tanner, I don't know if you've, if you know him, he's a writer, a pastor up in Detroit, and he's written this beautiful piece about how God chose what he chose. Like, like God chose the very God who chose to speak the universe into existence chose to become something that can't speak. He had to learn how to talk from the thing that he created. Like, and when you think of the messiness involved in birth and in being a child and being a toddler and growing up, it's, it's quite amazing. I mean, it, it's, it's a part of the story that it does get glossed over with the, you know, the sort of glitzy windows of Christmas and, the beautiful trees and all those things. And I think the beauty is important, but I think especially during the Advent season to get back into that grittiness is important. There's a, a one of my, uh, one of my favorite Christmas albums. Uh, it's not widely known. It's uh, it's called uh, uh, behold the lamb. Uh, it's uh, by Andrew Peterson. Mm-hmm. And it's a journey from the, from the garden of Eden to the birth of Jesus and uh, to to bounce off of what you're saying there, he's got a song on there that was written. I can't remember who sings it, uh, but it was, it's called "A Labor of Love," and it's it focuses it focuses you in there on Bethlehem and the uh, and the manger scene, of course. And the, and it starts off. The lyrics go, uh, "It was not a silent night. There was blood on the ground. You could hear a woman cry in the alleyways that night on the streets mm. of David's town." And the stable wasn't clean. The cobblestones were cold. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, yeah. That is the realness of, uh, of, of, you know, God stepping into our humanity. Uh, probably, uh, probably one of my all time favorite Christmas songs. I, I love, uh, you know, I love to listen to that and, and to reflect, you know, and, and when, uh, when we think about that, you know, especially, coming through 2020 and, and everybody is, is wanting to have a funeral service for 2020 and, and uh, celebrate 2021, but there's, there's nothing magical about January. Yeah. First. <laughs> right. Chris, come on, man. <laughs> if only it were that easy, but, uh, but you know, those, those are the type of things that, that, you know, you're talking about that, like, you know, the Christmas story, if we can, if we can reimagine it in the, 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 the rawness of what was there, can actually, you know, be something that we do find hope in rather than, you know, the Hallmark mo- moments or the the nice Christmas cards, uh, you know, uh, covers. And is that making sense what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Everything, you know, Chris, I've been reading, my brother-in-law bought me this book. Um, 
It's one of N.T. Wright's latest releases, The New Testament in Its World. I don't know okay. if you've heard of it. It's it's huge. It's like yeah. a thousand pages. And it, it includes a lot of his older books as well yeah. that are just kind of put in there. But The New Testament in Its World, it's fascinating because like if we take what we're talking about, the gritty nature of things and kind of dial it up to like 10,000 feet and look at Jerusalem during this time, it was a nightmare, man. I mean, I think growing up, I always just imagined this little country of Israel and this city of Jerusalem and Bethlehem, sort of this satellite, you know, little village. And so Jesus is born in Israel and he grows up an Israelite. Man, I mean, Jerusalem was being torn to shreds by anybody who could get their hands on it. It was going back and forth from from one empire to the other. Uh, And even Jerusalem itself, I think he says somewhere in that book, something like 60 to 70% of Jewish people had already been spread out around the world. So, you know, Jerusalem, when Jesus was born, was not even the home of the Jews. I mean, it was, but it wasn't it wasn't like this central location where everything was tidy and neat and organized. Mm -hmm. Jesus was born into this situation that was a political nightmare. It was, um, it was up for being contested. Everybody wanted this little small area in the world because of how it was situated. And so I think, you know, even, even that bigger political scene is important to understand as Christians celebrating the birth of Christ, that he didn't choose to be born. You know, I think I often thought, well, he chose to be born in this remote place and it was, you know, it was kind of out of the way. And the fact is it was right in the middle of every bit of chaos that was going on in the world at that point. And, and God shows up. And if that doesn't say something, I mean, that's, to me, that's such a powerful point that N.T. Wright makes in that book. Uh, That's, uh, yeah, that's really well said. You know, and uh, and again, as you're as you're talking through that, I'm I'm reflecting back to old and New Testament synthesis courses that I had to you know take in seminary, and I did enjoy them. But you know, I think people don't realize that uh, the political culture just among who we would call uh, the Israelites, Jewish people, people of the covenant, God's chosen people, there were. The progressives were very progressives left, and the conservatives were very conservative right, and it was beyond contentious. You know, the the even in the Gospels, you know, your your progressives are are called Hellenistic Jews, and uh, you know they had taken more of a of what they would call a modern educated viewpoint of the world. Uh, and less isolation and more of like let's let's join for the common good. A lot of a lot of things that uh, you know that would make political sense maybe to some of our our friends on the podcast who lean that way. And then you know the uh, the others. Yeah, many a times it's you know you're talking about the the Pharisees and and uh, and and uh, the scribes. They were very 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 leaning conservative and. Uh, and yeah, you know, for Jesus to come into the middle of of even uh, that type of, you know, in 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 home fighting, <laughs> you know, the, the, the grassroots upheaval, uh, just very interesting. The timing of when and how God would send the Savior. Mm, yeah, yeah, and and how that informs us today as Christians. You know, our pastor gave a message a couple months ago 
about one of Paul's letters and how he was writing to a church that was made up of a female wealthy landowner, um, a rebel who basically wanted to fight the Romans, you know, uh, and he had conservative Jews who, like you're saying, the Hellenists who wanted to join with everybody else. And all these people are in the same church, you yeah. know, like they, they have to operate and live together and serve each other. And you just think that doesn't happen. <laughs> like that doesn't happen in American churches very often yeah. where you have people from opposite ends of the political spectrum, opposite ends of the social spectrum who are coming together. Um, it's, it is, it's interesting when you look back on all that stuff for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and, and just even, even thinking about the rawness of the Christmas story. And again, I'll say it, the greatest story ever told, you know, we, we center in on maybe a passage in Luke that we heard Char, uh, Linus on the, you know, Charlie Brown cartoon quote so eloquently to get everybody's heart in the right place for the big Christmas pageant. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, one, one of the most overlooked uh, commentaries on the birth of Jesus, the Christmas story is actually found in the book of Revelation. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, there's not an S on it. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's called a apocalyptic scripture because much of it does many scholars think, you know, refer to a coming day where the world has changed forever. And it's very, there's a, there's an apocalyptic sense to it. But, uh, in revelation 12, uh, there is this, uh, this story that's told in apocalyptic language, of, uh, of a baby that's born, and at the moment of birth, uh, the great dragon, who is the devil, these demonic forces, a third of the angelic realm, it's, it's described there, is waiting for that child to be born so they could instantly devour him, execute him. And, uh, and that reflects back to the story of, again, what happened in Bethlehem. You know, I, I don't know how many of our listeners uh, understand that there was a there was a hit put out on a baby that they couldn't identify in Bethlehem, and so the verdict came down: every male child two years and under, you know, slaughtered. That's that's not a that's not that's not rated G. That's that's not PG. You know, um, and the hardship of what that must have been like, you know, for moms, dads. That's mind blowing, you know, to me. Uh, and yet God's moving in and through that uh, in ways that at the time I'm sure did not did not make sense. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around it. But yet God's love would be preserved through that child. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting, Chris, how many of the the stories of or the stories surrounding the birth of Christ that we do overlook because they don't fit this nice narrative that we prefer. So I'll see your revelation passage and I'll raise you a passage in the gospels that we love to overlook. And that's the song of Mary um, in Luke one, which I mean, we just don't read this, right? Like we, I didn't grow up even knowing about the Magnificat and when Mary goes down through and sings this song about the arrival of Christ, and, and I know why we didn't focus on it. Do you have it in What's, front of Yeah, I've got it right here. All right. Wow. There's a wow. section wow. I want to read. Yeah, do it. Um, that starts in verse 52. 
He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Man, we don't want to hear that, right? Like we want to be rich. <laughs> we want to have as much as we as much as we can and accumulate what we can during our lives. We don't want to hear this about rich being sent away empty. And yet there it is, you know. And and I think what Mary is getting at is what you're getting at as well in the revelation. And that's this flipping of of the order of things. It's it's this revolutionary change that you see and as revelation progresses you get this image of not a powerful ruler on a throne right but it's a lamb it's a lamb and and if that doesn't make us rethink our view of power our view of money um man we just have so much i think to reconsider as wealthy Western people when it comes to the story of the arrival of Christ. You know, as you're talking that through for me, for our listeners, Sean, again, that that's, that those are astonishing remarks that should give us hope that God knows how to step in to our humanity and walk out a loving relationship with him rather than be because everybody wants this miraculous leader to come in and just fix everything just fix everything well Uh, and i don't i don't even know if it's fix everything chris i mean it is but i think i think what we in the evangelical world have turned that second coming into is the destruction of our enemies and i think that that um i think that that is unfortunate that that has become sort of the main thrust of what we're longing for. Mm. And I think you see that if you look at the way that Christians interact politically, um, interact with each other in their churches. We want someone who's going to come up and squash our enemy and destroy them. Um, and, and, and I don't know that that's necessarily uh, what's coming down the road. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? Like, why, why do you think? That. I think I'm not. I, I I would have to agree with you. Why Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's the quest for power. You know, I think it's I think it, it it's just a fundamental quest to be in control. Uh, my uncle, who is very high up in a missions organization, made a point to me one day when he said, "You know, Christians tend to thrive in countries where they are not in power. So you have you know, like right now in Iran." Christianity is exploding. Mm-hmm. Um, in China, Christianity is exploding. But as soon as Christians come to power, there's like a switch in the mind where we think we have to control everything. Mm. And I think it's that desire for control that makes us want to eliminate our enemies. If you don't have to live with your enemy, why would you? You know, why would you choose to live with your enemy? But yeah. if your enemy has the power, then you have to live with your enemy. And wow. so then you may, you figure out ways of living that, that, that more closely identify with what Christ taught, you know, turning the other cheek. Um, if you didn't turn your other cheek to a Roman soldier, what was going to happen? You're going to end up on a cross on the side of the road. So yeah. I think, I think now that we <laughs> have, have come so close to power in the United States, especially our, our sole desire now is to eliminate our enemy. 
And then we think, well, that, that would be like, that would be paradise if we could get rid of our enemy. That's really good. I'm taking a second to, to drink that in. <laughs> so how, how do we reconcile in 21st century, 2020, moving into 2021? And I do believe there's hope. I, I do, you know, I'm, I, I do think there are great days ahead, you know, for humanity. How do we reconcile that with the Christmas story? And for those of us who, who listen and, uh, and we, we do have uh, a belief, a faith, uh, in God's love through Jesus Christ, maybe for for people who are listening and and they're still exploring the idea of of the type of faith that we talk about on uh, on the Resolutions podcast all the time, you know. And this is this is a, a holiday that's been commemorated now for centuries, and and it's it's really a, the incarnation. It's God becomes a human being so that He can show who he is among us. And the apostle John testified, and we beheld this person's glory full of grace and truth. How do we take this great story of Christmas and allow it to humble us in a way that directs our thinking, directs our actions into a a channel that's more, that's more synchronized with what Jesus actually teaches versus what you just described there? Well, I'm flying totally off the cuff here. So, um, but what comes to my mind is what if we viewed the way that God entered the world as an example of how we should be entering the world? So like God didn't come as a king. He didn't, he didn't come as an emperor. Uh, He didn't come as a judge. He came as a baby and he, and so that to me, that speaks of vulnerability that speaks of um, giving up power as opposed to trying to utilize power. You know, what if we showed up in our relationships that way? What if we showed up uh, in our communities that way as vulnerable people who, who brought truth and who brought uh, grace, but not as people who come trying to make a power play, trying to uh, impose our will um, because God could have done that, right? Like he could have shown up and, and he could have blasted Rome and he could have, you know, eliminated all of the enemies of Israel, but he came as a vulnerable child. And so I don't know, maybe, maybe for us, that needs to be the example as we move forward. How do we move into 2021 as more vulnerable people, as, as less power hungry people? Mm. Um, I don't know. That's good. Yeah, I'm thinking of Micah six eight. You know, he has shown you what is required of you, right? To love mercy, do justice, and walk humbly. You know, with your God. What's uh, what's Christmas look like this year uh, for the Smucker family in in Lancaster? So a couple of years ago, we started switching things up a little bit. Try not to focus on gifts so much. Um, we we took the money that we would normally spend on gifts and would take a trip. So we went to New York city for the day one year. We went to Pittsburgh a couple years ago and the kids just have loved this so much. So we do like small stocking stuff, but we didn't do like big gifts. This year's a little tougher. Um, it's just kind of, you know, there's not really places you can go. We, I think what we're going to try and do is more of a 12 days of Christmas. And this kind of came to us when we were going to an Episcopal church and you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up, with any sort of understanding of the seasons of the church or um, 
Advent or the fact that Christmas is 12 days. And so we, a couple years ago, we did it where each day over those 12 days, we do something fun. We'll have a game day or we'll, you know, go out to eat or order in or something like that. So I think this year we're going to do more of a 12 days of Christmas um, and try and make it more about spending time together um, and that sort of thing. That's good. Yeah, my my hope is that that more families will find you know the simplicity of being together, and again, you know, I think uh, I think we've got an opportunity here to be removed from the hustle and bustle, the commercialization, you know, and just getting back to the the common bonds of relationships that uh, you know that really the the story of uh, of Joseph and Mary. Uh, that, that sort of showcases one one thing that uh, that my family uh, we've done for years now uh, is regardless of where we've been uh, on Christmas Eve and and who we've celebrated that with we we set aside some time that night to get home in time and and we watch are you familiar with the movie uh, The Nativity you ever seen yeah. that yes yeah. So for the listeners, uh, the nativity is, I, I think that was, you know, uh, maybe 2008 is when that, uh, when that came out, but it's one of the best movies that invites you and your imagination into the world of, of Mary and Joseph and, uh, and the struggles that we've talked about, you know, here in, in our abbreviated time, our abbreviated conversation today, but also, just how everything seems to be going wrong. And yet they've been entrusted <laughs> with the care of this unborn child and trying to bring that child into the world uh, in a, in a safe and responsible way. And it's a, it's a, we, we tend to, uh, to finish up Christmas Eve, just watching, uh, you know, that story. It sets us, it sets us in the right mind, uh, for you know the the gift giving and the feasting and things that that will happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great. Day. But I feel like this year because yeah, we're not going to get interaction with family like we're accustomed to. Uh, I just feel like that that story and the way that it's it's told, especially in that movie, uh, I think is going to be an extra encouragement for us for us as a family this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean, thanks for being with us today. Uh, we uh, we trust that uh, our listeners are going to find this just as encouraging and stimulating uh, as I have been today. The warmest season greetings and uh, and holiday wishes uh, to you and and your brood there in Lancaster. And we do we do pray and trust and hope for uh, for good good days ahead in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas, Chris, to you and and your family. We hope Sean's thoughts in our conversation today provide you with some hope and peace during this season. You know, when it comes to mental health, we believe that our psychological wellness is directly tied to our theology and the spiritual life that comes by way of God's love through Jesus Christ. Christmas is the story of the Incarnation. The embodiment of God in human flesh and bones for the purpose of making his love manifest in an unmistakable way. While you may be familiar with the traditional narratives of the birth of Jesus so many years ago, you might not be familiar with one of the more poignant passages in scripture that describes the personhood of the baby who was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. 
my pastor recently taught on the passage that I'm referring to here, and it was such an encouragement to me that I want to share it with you as a Christmas gift of sorts from Resolutions. This passage comes to us from the Gospel of St. John, first chapter, first verse, and it goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only son who is himself God, and is at the Father's side, he, he has revealed him. On behalf of the Resolutions Podcast, we want to wish each of you a very Merry Christmas. May God himself be revealed to you through Jesus Christ. May you behold his glory and receive his goodness, grace upon grace, and liberating truth. We'll pick up on our conversation again in the new year. Season three will launch mid-January. We've got a great guest list and topics lined up, so be sure you're subscribed to this podcast and please spread the word. Again, from all of us here at Resolutions, I'm Chris Campbell wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.